0: Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder, Seahawks fan The skyline is in my veins. You can never put that out
2: no matter how hard it rains. Hello
1: everybody, and welcome to the second episode of Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian Nemhauser. You can find me on Twitter at Hawk And uh, we've got quite the show tonight. It has been a while since we've been here. We took last week off. We were, you know, a little gluttonous and needing a, a little bit of a break from each other mainly. Uh, but but we, we couldn't be apart for long. Uh, we had to come back together. We've we've been across the globe. We've been doing all sorts of things. And frankly, it's time to bring this crew back together to talk about all things Seahawks, including what was a very disappointing uh, results in Tampa Bay. We're also enough of the way through the season that we are going to talk about predictions. I'm already getting head shakes. It wasn't in Tampa Bay, I know, but it was in Munich. So uh, it was an away game. Point being, it was a loss. It sucked. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about where we are relative to our predictions. We will even probably talk a little bit about what is becoming a tantalizing draft pick that might be coming the Seahawks way, and uh, we'll we'll get all of that in tonight. But before we do, let's bring in the crew. We will start with the people that have traveled the farthest before they arrived here. Uh, Dana O'Gorman, at Dana OG on Twitter. How are you doing, Dana? Are you are you like recovered from what was a <laughs> uh, a long, fun, I hope, and probably frustrating trip?
3: It, you know, I am. We we've been ho- I've been home since very early in the morning on Sunday, and I'm still struggling with my sleep switch a little bit. But yes, it was a great trip. And honest to God, even with the loss, it was such a fun game, and it was the people around were so fun, and and it was just really enjoyable, and um, it. it <laughs> Very different from the London Games. I actually really liked the game in Germany. I hope they do a lot more of them.
1: That's awesome. Well, I yeah. sympathize with the early wake up call. <laughs> I, I will say that that's actually my normal wake up time uh, that I have to go back to sleep again. So, you know, we're just more in sync than we've been in the past. Uh, Nathan, you also yeah. also made the trip. You didn't just go to Munich. You also went
2: to Florence. Uh, and, and did you go anywhere else besides those two spots? No, we did uh, three days, three full days in Florence, took a train, had a train day, uh, got off the train and immediately went to the German Seahawkers uh, party, which was awesome, uh, and then had three full days in uh, in Germany, including the game and everything. So it was a blast. It was amazing. I, I'd never been to Europe before. Um, and I'm sorry, yeah. what? I'd never been to Europe before.
4: That was your first time in Europe.
2: Does Iceland count as Europe? I don't know. No, I don't think no. so well then what is That's it That's
4: amazing
0: it's iceland <laughs> <laughs> I don't
2: know. iceland is the closest to europe i had ever been so uh yeah no so that was uh yeah it was super cool uh, it was uh really awesome
1: what was there the, was the seahawk party? seahawk german seahawkers party like
2: uh it was <laughs> huh Yeah, chaos chaos. (laughs) um dana saved me from a like a three-hour line um because it wasn't clear that if you had tickets you could walk up to the door but i uh (laughs) she did uh dana let me know ahead of time so we got right in it was super cool i mean it was packed it was chaos but like it was very organized chaos it was Mm -hmm. uh for you know, this is going to shock you. For Germany, it was extremely efficiently ran in terms of like you you went up and you bought tokens for beer, and I thought it was going to be a nightmare because there were so many people trying to get a beer or something. But the waitress would just come around, you give them a token, you tell them what they want, and like they were on top of it. The the people that did the um, the party, they got the wait staff to like wear Seahawk colored uh, traditional German. Uh, waitress clothes or whatever i don't know it's not later <laughs> hosen for women i don't know what it is um and it was packed man it was uh yeah it was really cool
1: it seemed like a really fun atmosphere it seemed like everything but the game was really fun and uh eager to hear more about it uh the last but certainly never the least uh person i'll bring into the show is evan hill at evan hill hb on twitter Evan, man, it's been eventful around you. Uh, Arizona's been uh, in the news a fair amount, and and uh, some of it just for getting their asses kicked by the 49ers. Um, or for getting their coach let go for, from a game in Mexico City for some unknown reason. Uh, but what's going on with you, dude? It's good to see you.
4: My life has been not as eventful, though, as as going to Germany and spending time in in Italy and Florence drinking wine. Uh, It's been on the home front here. Went to L.A. for a couple for a little for a few days to spend some time with Josh going to L.A. again in a couple weeks for that Charger for that uh, that Rams game in in two weeks. But, uh, yeah, I've been I've been enjoying the bye and uh, it's been good, but uneventful.
1: Yeah, well. I'll be curious about that second trip. You know, I know you were not super impressed with the stadium the first time in terms of oh really my home God. field advantage.
4: I've learned some things about going to SoFi, man. I did like that what? once like a beer is $19. Like, what? like you want like, what was it? What did we get? It wasn't, I don't remember if it was a two Coors lights. We did two premium beer cans were like $39. And then i i always tip so i i tipped i think like 18 percent, and you know it, it two beers was like for late like late 40s i think or something like that it there were things i learned about going to sofi for the first time that i will absolutely not be doing the second time
2: well In the uh the the munich stadium you get like a liter my fingers where are they they're a big ass thing of beer for like 12 bucks and it wasn't Coors Light. It was like, I don't know what it was. Like it was,
0: actually good beer?
2: Yeah, it was some German <laughs> solid beer, yeah. Man. Oh, that sounds that sounds really appealing.
1: There was actually critical news, Seahawks news, that came out today uh, about concessions at Lumen Field that I know you've all been like dying to hear about. They're unveiling all these Amazon take it checkout stands where you can just take the food and walk away. Uh, and, uh, I'm really kind of curious what that's going to (laughs) do. My buddy that I've shared season tickets with for a long time, he will go to get water and I'm like, I'll see you in a quarter. Yeah, He's just like, he's gone. I would never do that. I would never miss that much of the game. He's like, yeah, I want to go get something. So, so I actually have a take on that.
4: I have a take on that because they do that at the Suns games where every other concession stand is like, nobody's working there. I don't know how they're checking IDs because people are picking up alcohol and leaving. IDs, like, I don't remember my ID getting checked. I don't know if that was just like a one-off situation or something like that, but it's, a, it's total chaos. It's a complete shit show. You have like four rotating screens and you have like 72 like drunk fans trying to desperately get back to the game, like constantly skirting around each other in the different little lines. It, it's a nightmare. It would not, not
1: surprise it. me if Arizona did not have people checking IDs. I mean, it's I very think... possible. It's very <laughs> possible. <It's> very <laughs> possible very, they just
4: said, "Fuck it."
1: Just that would be it. very it, on it. brand. But uh, <laughs> uh, look, I I did the post game show for Tampa. The Tampa game on my own and i don't recommend listening to it (laughs) because i was so pissed off i haven't been that mad about a game in a while and i felt like the team really booted that game and i felt like it was i I, you know tampa played well and i i I think tampa's a defensively is a much better opponent than i think a lot of people would have given them credit for but i think (laughs) yes i see camden on on uh uh, chat here. Let's let's uh, put this. See, see if this works. Yes, uh, I was unreasonably mad, um, and and uh, I've calmed down a little bit. I'm still pretty pissed, but I'm curious, Dana. I haven't heard from you. I'd like to hear from each of you. Like, what was your what was your take about uh, what we saw um, now two weeks ago?
3: Um, to be honest with you, the, it was. It was. They looked slow. I just kept feeling like the whole team was like running through concrete for some reason. Like it just didn't feel like there was a spark. They seemed tired. They seemed confused. Um, <laughs> Brian's just playing with things. I'm now. playing around. I, <laughs> see if I can make new spotlight. I got new toys. Um, but what was interesting to me is that they just seemed completely off their own game. Like they just they couldn't. I don't know. I My husband looked at me and said, he goes, do they have stars in their eyes? Cause Brady's across from him. Like, what was the deal? Like, it just seemed confused. And then in the second half, it was like, they got yelled at in the locker room or something happened and they came out and started actually looking like Seahawks football. Had they played that way the whole game, they would have won without question. There were a couple of real questionable calls too. They were Brady calls and that's to be expected anytime that you play, play Tom Brady. And I, I truly believe that is a real thing. I'm not trying to be you know, ridiculous or anything, but, um, I just felt like, I don't know, they had a really good time in Germany. (laughs) I think that they, that, and I'm not saying that they had done anything wrong, but I don't know. They just looked slow and they looked jet lagged for lack of a better word, but I know they weren't, they had been there plenty of times. So it just was a weird game. I, I think I said to you after the game, I said, you know, I expected them to have an off game soon, yeah, we thought it would be against the Cardinals. It just ended up being against Tampa Bay. This was their slog of a game.
1: Yeah, Nathan, <laughs> I probably should have like found a way to have Jeff on the show because he was he was pretty much as mad as I was, or in the same vicinity. But but I'm I'm okay going solo on that. So, I I two things that got me really mad about that game. One was that I really felt the coaching staff blew it, and I thought they blew it in the sense that one. To Dana's point, it didn't seem like the team was ready to play. And that's almost never something you say about a Pete Carroll team. That's one of the things I think he's been unnaturally good at. The other was that they absolutely told the team to basically prepare for a pass-only offense to the point where they healthy scratched Brian Monet from the active list, didn't even have him as an opportunity to put in the game once they realized that they were dead wrong. And, Those two things I felt like were enough to make the difference in what that game was. I I thought there's some other coaching things that really pissed me off in that game, but those are the two that really stood out. And I'm kind of curious, like for you, was it, was it as simple as what Dana said just a slip up game or, or did you see more to it?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, they definitely just had, uh, the players weren't out there playing really well and and they were just getting out completely out coached. Right. The, The players weren't, uh, making plays and doing stuff at least in the first half, right? So it's not just the coaching, but I do agree. I mean, um, <clears throat> they they came out and they seemed determined to run the ball, and that didn't didn't work. But they kept with it for a half. Um, they, you know, I, I think they made some poor fourth down calls, um, and then yeah, like they got completely caught off guard by the Bucks' run game. Not only that they did run it a bunch, but um, you know that they ran differently. So um uh uh, i think my daughter might be dying i don't know if you can hear that or not (laughs) you need to go no 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 i think it's okay uh so yeah so i mean um but you know credit to them because they did come out in the second half and they looked a lot better and like as the kind of stubborn as they seemed about running in the first half they came out and they were just like fuck it we're going empty like every play and um so they adapted and you know they made a game of it it's just I don't know. I I think uh, the thing that I will think about the most with that game, and it's what Pete talked about in the post game, like it just sucked that they couldn't get the ball back, that they let him run out like four minutes at the end of the game. Like that was just painful.
1: That was salt in the wound. I I agree about the fourth down stuff. We've all gone back and forth on that at times, but I thought there was an absolute crucial moment in that game with zero zero, fourth and six. Gino had just made a pass for like 12 yards to get to like a makeable fourth down. And he was ready to go, and it looked like Pete was going to let him go, and then he pulled him off the field so that he could have the team take a delay of game penalty to move the the team far enough back so that a punt was even possible. If you do that, you shouldn't be punting, period. And and that was a moment where he could have believed in the offense and leaned in, and I I actually think that would have been a difference if they had made that choice. If nothing else, I think that was the better choice to make, and they they didn't do it. So, Evan – were you awake did you watch that game i'm oh curious my
4: god you know me so well i knew you're gonna ask me i thought you were gonna ask me some in-depth question about the game and i was just gonna have to be like yeah so i woke up initially <laughs> i'm gonna be honest with you guys i woke up I th- so i think it i think we were an hour ahead so it may have been 7 30 for me frankly so less of an excuse here i started watching the first quarter i watched the first quarter and i was like fuck this <laughs> fuck this this is too early to be awake to be watching this right now if they could come out hot you know scoring playing well like different story i probably would have stayed awake but i 100 percent went back to bed and i woke up at the end of the third quarter and then watched the fourth quarter so I, it sounds like based off the reports i'm hearing i missed a lot of badness
2: yeah the first half only was- in the first half the, yeah. the second half was a little lot better
4: what pick or when was the Tariq pick?
2: Second half, second yeah, half.
1: definitely the second half, right? Uh, and I think that this the reason this game matters is that if you believe this team has has a shot at winning the division, mm-hmm. which they were in first place by a like a chunk. Uh, it wasn't like they were just in first place by a game. They were in first place by a little bit of a spread. I think that's a game that was very winnable and that they are going to look back and really regret not getting. Um, so they've already blown games, you know, that hopefully they could have won against new Orleans and against the Falcons and and stuff like that. This game, after they'd figured out their defensive philosophy, after they'd figured out, you know, who they have and who they were going to be after Ken Walker's joined the attack on offense, like this was was a game that, that they should have. Should have taken.
4: Who was the most disappointing part on Sunday for you, Brian?
1: Well, Pete, I mean, like, as a, from an overall perspective, but as a player, I don't know. There's a, you know, the most disappointing aspect was watching them get run on for Mm. sure. I don't know if I could pin that on one player though. Um,
4: The lack of Monet's presence.
1: Yeah, I I don't know that that would have been the difference, but it certainly was pretty indefensible to have a guy in there in Miles Adams that was there for interior pass rush and to to have the guy on uh, that is known to help with run defense sitting there inactive. Um, yeah, I don't know. Did you guys have somebody else that stood out to you or some other thing that stood out? Yeah.
2: No, it's just it's the run defense. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So... One of the questions is like, how much do you take from that game? You know, the Seahawks had really started to be on a roll. They had literally for four or five weeks like the best defense in the NFL—not just good, but the best by DVO, DVOA standards, by like EPA standards, by almost any standard—and then they, they didn't. They looked pretty crap against um, what has uh, been a really struggling offense we've been going back and forth on this this whole time. I've been having trouble believing the front seven. This gave me a little bit more ammunition of like, ah, I don't know if I should believe in this front seven. Do you expect them to rebound and be the team that they were before this game, that this was really an aberration, Dana? Or do you think that this was maybe uh, a more of a reality check of, of what this team's capable of?
3: Mm, I think it's fair to say probably a little bit of both. But to be honest with you, with their next upcoming opponents, no, they're going to bounce back just fine. I don't have a lot of worry. I think against this Raiders team coming up, it's, I think that we're going to score 30 points on that team. I mean, it's just a little crazy, but the defensive wise, I, I mean, I, I think that they'll be able to bounce back. It's pretty obvious what they did wrong, right? Like, it's not like, we don't understand. Why was it so bad? No, they, 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 they signed up for the wrong you know type of plays is what they did. The coaching was wrong. They, they completely changed it in the second half and came right back to it. So that's why that second half, if they had continued to be completely dominated, I think I would be a little more concerned. But because of that second half change, I think that that just proves to you that they, they have a system and it works. They just didn't implement it in the first half of that game. So no, I'm not overly worried. Do I think they're a fantastic defense? No, but I don't think that they're as bad as we saw at the beginning of the season.
4: So <clears throat> Josh Jacobs... Is I believe number third in number the NFL third? in rushing yards. Yeah, It's like I think he might, he might be four, three or four something okay. in that ballpark. So their rushing offense has been pretty good this year. Yeah, the, the Raiders are not a good football team. I I think they're slightly better, honestly, than their record indicates. I think they're they're three and seven. I think they're probably realistically like a five and five team from a quality of talent perspective and their rushing offense is on you know the stronger side of their offense and on the stronger side of the team. So I think this upcoming week is a good litmus test to see if Seattle's run defense can resume, you know, the performance of the past several weeks.
1: Yeah. Um Evan, do you right now you had to predict are the Seahawks making the playoffs?
4: Oh, yeah. Without question.
1: Without question. Anybody yeah. have doubts about the Seahawks making the playoffs?
3: Not if Can I list healthy.
1: out? Well, hold on. Hold on. Before you list out. Okay. How many of you think they're going to win the division?
3: Mm-mm.
1: No. I think, they, I think it'll I think come down know. to the
3: last week, but I don't think so. I, I think, think they Francisco do. looks good, you guys.
1: And you think, think they, they do. do. That's I think key. they do. You think I, they do. Nathan, where are you on this?
2: Um probably not.
1: Probably not. So two, probably the Dan is a no. Nathan's a probably not. Evan's a yes. So the, the key thing here, I want to hear your, your reasons on this, but if they don't win the division, then they've got to have obviously they got to have a better record than some of the other competition. Like the commanders are coming on. The whole NFC East has got pretty decent records. Uh you've got the other division winners. I you've got some losses against folks like Tampa Bay. If Tampa Bay happens to fall out, I think if you don't win the division, the playoffs become more complicated for the Seahawks. Okay.
4: So I'm going to put an asterisk attached to my answer because I just looked up the 49ers remaining schedule and that is bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) That is bullshit. Yeah. They're playing high school football teams. Yeah. Yeah. That's unfair, man.
3: And everyone's I, I, finally getting healthy. They were they were not healthy, and now they are. It's it's yucky.
1: Yeah, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about them because there's too many nice things to say about them, and I don't I refuse to allow that on this, <laughs> on this broadcast. But I think the Seahawks were the favorites to win the division if they had won that game against Tampa Bay even with the things going on with the 49ers, I think without that win, without the seven and three record, without any buffer between them, they're now in second place, you know, techni- technically, technically, uh, I think it's going to be unlikely that the Seahawks end up winning the division. And I think that's going to make the playoffs tougher. So I'm curious, I'm curious how how it plays out. We're going to talk more about this game in this week, but part of the reason I wanted to ask that question, sorry, Nathan, were you me- going to say something?
2: Well, I, I'm not quite sure I I I mean Seattle has two games the rest of the year that they won't be favored in probably. Mm-hmm. The Niners and the Chiefs. They get the Raiders, the Rams twice, the Panthers and the Jets. That is not a uh, murderers row of opponents. I, I You're not, not a big not fan of of Zach Wilson? <laughs> uh no, no, I I don't know that he scares me a whole lot right now.
4: I am not sold there beating the Rams in both games.
2: Of course and you may not. not even have Stafford.
4: I have PTSD. And they Matt don't have Cooper. No,
2: they, they absolutely should beat the Rams. Yes.
4: They should, yes. Will they? Is a different question.
2: I don't know, but they could jump up and beat the Niners or the Chiefs too. Like, that's not like guaranteed they could either. So. They could. So, yeah, I don't know that they're going to win the division. I mean, it's hard to predict that they will after what they looked like against the Niners the first time around. But, I mean, I, I don't know. They still have a... They're, what, a half game up on the Commanders, and they have to... I mean, the Commanders could lose a few more games here, too. They don't have the easiest schedule, so... um, I'm just not
4: sold that they need to win the division. Like, if this team gets in the playoffs... That's true. They just could do some stupid, crazy good stuff like th- this is an unpredictable team and it if, is. you know, and if they catch like the, po- you know, the positive side of the variance, both defensively and they continue, you know, to be mostly a powerhouse from an offensive perspective, all you need is a three, four game stretch. Um, I- I'm just not convinced that this team on this year, on this season would need a home field advantage to go far.
1: I think that's, I, I, I agree with that. And, eh. I'm like, my eyes are on making the playoffs and I th- I think the odds are that they do, but I, 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 I don't think the odds are that they're going to win the division at this point. And I think that that makes things a lot more unpredictable overall. And so uh, I'd be curious, this is a game like we'll talk about this week with the Raiders. You can't lose these games. You're done with these types of games where you blow something like you can't. And, uh, so It's a little bit different when you're hunted and not the hunter. And I think that that's going to be a little bit something that they're going to have to deal with down the stretch. But with that in mind, now that we've got our our updated points of view on the record books, I did want to take a second. This is on advice from our very own Josh Cashman to revisit our preseason predictions for this team. We're not going to go through all of them because it takes hours but I do want to call out a few things. So um, first of all, just as a refresher, the, the range of predictions for this season were at this point where I'm going to basically pretend that, well, yeah, I'm not going to do the math to to do this. Look, basically, Evan was the lowest at predicting us to finish, persisting the Seahawks to finish two and fifteen. <laughs> He had them going 1 and 11 for, through the first 12 games. Trey, our Wonderkins production support was the most optimistic. He's the only person that predicted the Seahawks to have a winning record, 9 and 8 for the year, and 6 and 6 at this point in the season. Even he had them losing in the wild so The most optimistic was a one game over 500 season. Dana, you had them at six and eleven. Nathan, you had them at seven and ten. You were trying to talk yourself into Trey's playoff view. So you had like, I have to give you credit of like you were like, eh, if things fall the right way. Maybe playoffs could happen. I had them as eight, at eight and nine. Um, I originally had them at seven and ten, but then I changed my prediction about the Broncos game right before that game. So I ended up at eight and nine. Evan, how do you feel about, like, uh, this has got to have been a really, the most shocking to you, given what you predicted.
4: Yeah, I was actually thinking about this um, the other day, and I think it's pretty uh, synonymous with, I think, the way many Seahawks fans feel, but uh, the last five or six years have been really frustrating for me, personally, as a Seahawks fan, in terms of the expectations I had for the team, and where they were falling. And this is, this is a season that has made me fall in love with football again, just to be honest with you. It's, it's a going in with no expectations. And, you know, the priority is just, you know, have fun, (laughs) develop some players and see where the chips fall. And, you know, being surprised with a positive an extraordinarily positive outcome, by the way, uh, is just, it's the peak in the, in the height of potential fulfillment. You know, I I think uh, I could have in this season. So I'm just, uh, I'm just kicking back and I'm just enjoying this ride, frankly.
1: Nathan, what, what do you feel like you were most right about in, in like trying to talk yourself into this team being a playoff potential contender? And what do you feel like you got the most wrong about the team preseason?
2: Um, Well, I definitely, I mean, I said all along that, like, this is not going to be an awful, terrible team, which is what a lot of people were saying. Like, a lot of people thought, you know, oh, they'd be lucky to win five games. They're going to absolutely be in the top three for a draft pick and stuff like that. And I never believed that. So I definitely was right, uh, most right about that. Um, I guess the thing I got the most wrong was just, I guess I just didn't see the upside totally i mean i did i did come around and, and start to think that they'd make the playoffs but i mean i definitely didn't see us thinking about gino like this and and that you know just how good they could really be so i guess that's really where i i missed i don't, I don't know i don't think i had any really bad misses though yeah we'll find out when we go to the other part of the predictions. Uh... <laughs> well so in the predictions i definitely so when we did the predictions i was i what i had them seven and ten or whatever right yeah um but then it was after that that i that i that i bought in on the playoffs idea so yeah I, I don't know um yeah they're, they're way better than i expected for sure yeah
1: dana anything that stands out for you about your perspective preseason and what's changed, like what what was like the thing that you felt like you just really completely didn't expect and, and maybe were wrong about?
3: It's their win total. I, I had to talk myself into six wins. Like I was yeah. further down there with Evan. I think the first time I went through that, I literally had them winning four games. I'm like, all right, well, yeah. maybe because I remember very specifically, I was saying it's going to be tight games and it's going to be just a tip one way or the other. And at the beginning, it was kind of like that, but I was just like trying to bring out some positivity about these wins because let's be honest, none of us had any idea that this is who Gino was going to be. We no. thought the defense was going to be good to bring Gino along. We had it so backwards. Um, but the fact that they've already hit these six wins, I'm just like, what? Like, it's just baffling to me that I had to talk myself into it. And honestly... After the first couple of games, I thought I was still right. <laughs> like, I yeah. really was like, oh, "Yeah, uh, yeah." I it that looked one. like it was going totally, to form. Yeah. Oh yeah, and then it just it just picked up from there, and and it was it's it's been so fun. So I, I know we're talking about playoffs, and do I think the team will make? I don't think they'll win the division. Do I think they'll make the playoffs? I think the NFC is bad enough that they actually might be able to get into the playoffs, um, but that's not a knock on the team that I don't think these things about them because I'm still so freaking thrilled that they've actually played as well as they have so
1: yeah it in some ways I'm disappointed that I have expectations now it was really fun to tune in to Seahawks games and be like yeah whatever like get up and go to the bathroom go to the you know the kitchen didn't really care if I missed a couple plays that was never me for 30 40 years right and like this season doesn't really matter that much we'll just see what happens and then after they beat the Cardinals I had expectations I'm like this team should go seven and three they should get into the bye week seven and three and then they should be able to win a bunch of games all the way up they could have been 10 and three heading into the 49ers game like. So now I do have expectations and uh, I hope I hope that uh, <laughs> I hope they continue to play better than we expected and don't crash back down. Um, so a couple other predictions that I will bring up we won't go through them all, as I said um, so Trey as much as he gets credit for being the most bullish on the Seahawks. His prediction for Geno Smith starts in the season was nine. So Trey was imagining drew Locke essentially riding into the rescue for this team. And I think uh, Dana, you were the next lowest with 12, but like everybody else was pretty much expecting Geno to start most of the season. So that's been a little different. Um, Jeff was the closest on Gino's passing TDs. He predicted 20. Um, you know, Evan you had him for 12. So that that was the spread there.
4: Turns out that's Russell Wilson's passing touchdown number for the year.
1: Isn't he supposed to have less passing touchdowns than than rooms in his bathrooms in his house? Is that the <laughs> yes. Did you the guys crit? see
4: that dumb statistic? <laughs> he has more bathrooms in his house than he does passing touchdowns right now i think it's 12
2: bathrooms to seven passing touchdowns yeah he's gonna be lucky to get to uh 12 at this point it's
1: It's... looking rough it's looking rough in denver um uh i was (laughs) way off on rashad penny rushing yards because of injury i think i was on track if he had stayed healthy i had him for 1100 uh evan was most bearish at 400 and then i was most wrong as well about kenneth walker i had him for 210 yards he practically has that every game uh evan had him
2: for 1200 yards
4: and what's he at right now
2: nowhere close dude 580 it's gonna be tough after that tampa game he he basically <laughs> yeah. punted that game so yeah how many games are
4: left is it six yeah so he has
2: yeah. to have 100 no, seven
4: a seven yards okay
1: yeah, I, I think it's pretty unlikely. I'm not giving up hope. I was wrong there. Uh one that I thought was kind of interesting, predicting who is gonna have the third most receptions on this team. I thought that was a little bit tough this year. Um Jeff and I got it right so far. It's, do you guys know who it is? Before I tell you? Will you we, get des Lee? We, well. What do you guess, Dana? Oh Nathan, stop shaking your head.
3: I, <laughs> You're giving it I, away.
1: I, she was gonna say Will Disley.
3: No, I wasn't. No, I, I was thinking it was I was gonna be Kenneth Walker, but no. Well, that's a good guess too. Yeah, I I can't. I don't know. I don't. And by know. the way, that
1: was your
2: preseason guess. I love that you're was completely memory holding the uh the starting tight end for this football team.
4: Oh my god! It's it's Noah Fant.
2: It's Noah Fant. Is it yeah. really? Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. I think most people will get that wrong. Like,
4: yeah. Well, we did give him a we did give him a big four year thirty two million dollar deal in the offseason. So
2: did we really? No, that was Disley.
3: I'm oh, being an <laughs> No, <did> we <laughs> really? I forgot about that.
4: I'm being a dickhead because Disley has actually been good this year. So
3: you know. I was like, what is he talking about?
1: <laughs> well, uh, one more thing on Gino. Um, Where is it? We had an over under on passer rating. Oh, there it is. Passer rating of 92.5. Evan and Derek and Josh were under. So (laughs) it's like very disapproving. Everybody else was was over. Um, Daryl Taylor having 10 plus sacks, Evan and Dana were over. They were
2: they were true everyone else was false. There's a question on here more sacks Jamal Adams or Cody Barton and the more interesting one right now is more sacks Cody Barton or Daryl Taylor. Cody Barton Taylor has three and Barton has two. So Barton can pull that off. I am hoping
1: against hope it is super unrealistic. John Radigan coming off the injured reserve back to practice special teams, ace, and better linebacker than Cody Barton. If somehow, some way he can start rotating in there. I think, I think Radigan will take those snaps away from Barton's and we'll, we'll be, we'll be saved.
2: Barton tried to win that game for Seattle last, uh, he did.
1: He, he made the catch that Jordan Brooks could not. Mm-hmm. Um, so good, good on him. First interception of Tom Brady in like 50 years. It was like 400 attempts or something. It was crazy. Uh, Anything else here that's of interest? Um, Who has more interceptions? Tariq Woolen or Kobe Bryant? I, both Nathan and I and Josh had Kobe Bryant. So that's going to take a big swing. Everyone else had Woolen. I think the thing that, one of the things that's most interesting is predicting points per game scored and allowed. And uh, the Seahawks right now are, uh scoring 25.7 points a game up from 23 last year. The highest prediction of any of us was 21.7 for Trey. Every one of us had them scoring at least a couple points less per season that per game than they did last season. Defensively, they allowed 21 and a half last year. This year, they are allowing 24.1 and We actually were pretty close on that. The worst was Evan predicting 28.5, which is very, very uh, bearish. Um, The most optimistic was actually Nathan at 21.9. So uh, that is kind of a quick walk through some of the predictions. We'll obviously revisit all this at the end of the year, um, but teams different. Team's definitely different than it was when we started. Um, so you guys brought up the, the the Denver stuff. And we we're not gonna go super deep. We've talked about the Broncos struggling. It was amazing and awesome that they lost that game. The Seahawks now have the fifth pick as of right now in this draft next year. Um, Nathan, I'm curious for you. Uh what do you th- what do you want the seahawks to do if, if they end up with a fifth pick overall like what is what's the move that is most would most benefit the seahawks realistically knowing who might be available
2: yeah um i mean there's a lot of good options for them um i'm still of the opinion that they should try to keep gino and and keep him around for three, four or five years or whatever. So quarterback isn't the top of my list, but I'm not going to cry if they walk away with like Bryce young or something like that. Um, really? Uh, yeah. I, is that
1: the case for all of you? If the Seahawks end up drafting Bryce young or, or Stroud or something like that, how will you feel? Evan, you're like all in Dana. You're not. Tell me why. Dana.
3: Um, because, Uh, because I don't like quarterbacks. I think they're overrated. I think that you know this about me, you guys. Come on. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. Yes, those two quarterbacks are fantastic. I don't think you have nearly, um, they're not going to come in and do what Gino has done this year. I just don't see that in the first year of a quarterback. That's me. I don't want to hear about it on Twitter. Just let it go, people. But here's the thing. I think that they are going to get eaten up so fast or they're going to, people are going to be, moving up to get those. I mean, we have to think of teams who are really, truly quarterback hungry, right? We have to look at the Texans. We have to look at the Colts. We have to look at um, really even the Lions at some point. But so no, I would prefer they went with some of those better defensive players and just roll with Dino for another year. And I know my tune has changed. I know that's not what I said at the beginning of the year, but we've seen a completely different world now at this point. So I, I have switched because I think it was... Brian, I think it was you that I was arguing with about this. I'm like, you can't pass up a quarterback that high. Now I'm thinking you can pass up a quarterback
4: high Evan. So this is what I want to jump in with. They apply the transition tag to Geno Smith, which is like, I think estimated to be $33 million on a one-year deal. The way the transition tag just works just so the audience is aware, <clears throat> he can negotiate with other teams. And if the Seahawks don't, uh, you know, match the contract, then Geno Smith would uh, would take that contract, that proposed contract with another team, and that team would be forced to give the Seahawks two first-round picks. Okay, so there's the transition franchise tag, and then there's the exclusive franchise tag. The transition tag is a lot cheaper. I think the actual fran- exclusive franchise tag is like fifteen dollars, 15, $15, $15 million more expensive. So would you guys be upset if Seattle didn't, you know, go higher than that $33 million mark and walked away with two first round picks. Like Brian, would you be, would you be okay with that?
1: This is the non-exclusive franchise tag.
4: Correct. Sorry. Yes.
1: Yeah. Cause you said transition. So, uh, I think that that's probably the right move, you know? So I, I, it's hard to like right now, if they, if that's what they did, I think that would be defensible and I would be okay with it given where the Seahawks are and where they are roster wise. If Gino plays, if he at least sustains this level and even improves on it, then I think it starts to be a much more questionable decision. Um, and so, yeah, my I, I'll say my answer could change, but right now that seems like very much the the right approach. And it would be hard to imagine that anyone's going to give up two first round picks in any situation for Geno Smith, even if he plays really well the rest of the year.
4: You really couldn't see du- some really dumb, stupid team doing it? Panth, while well, they're going to have a top pick.
1: I mean, the Broncos just did it. didn't work out so well.
2: Colts could do it. Washington could do it. There are teams out there that could do something dumb. But, but, but I mean, my original point was, I'm not going to hate it if they draft a quarterback, right? If they do something like that with Geno... And he walks and they manage to fall into a windfall of picks or whatever. And they go with the quarterback. I'm not going to be sad about that. But I do agree that, you know, right now, I, th- I think the dream would be getting Will uh, Will Anderson or Jalen Carter. Like, those two are, mm-hmm. you know, special defensive players, the two best defensive players probably in the draft. Um, but I-, I don't know a ton about this draft class. Um, uh, Derek was talking about the, the – Tariq Woolen clone at cornerback or the the guy who like measures out similar to Tariq Woolen um that would be pretty shocking because they've yeah Shaquille Griffin's the highest cornerback they've ever taken but if they want to uh grab uh a Tariq Woolen clone I will be pretty excited about that too so they're gonna have options there I think it's gonna be pretty exciting no matter you know it's gonna be hard for them to mess it up I mean Bijan (laughs) Robin well, here's there, so. here's
1: here's the real question I want to know from each of you. So, Evan, you should be listening too because I know you're texting one of your your uh, your side pieces. But uh, if the Seahawks like, there's a potential the, the the ESPN their their projection right now is that the Seahawks actually end up with the third overall pick, and I think it's realistic that the Seahawks could end up there. And in that case, there is going to be both Will Anderson and. Jalen Carter available most likely almost like 99% likely The two quarterbacks will go one and two. There will also be some quarterbacks that are like some people feel differently about, uh, you know, the kid from Kentucky and, and, and whatever. So here's the question though. Let's say they have the number three overall pick and they trade back. Mm. They trade back to like, say the 10th pick. And they get another first for next year. They get the 10th pick this year. And maybe they pick up a, a third or whatever. But basically, you are giving up the chance to take Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, or one of those quarterbacks in order to get more picks. How do you feel about that, Evan?
4: I'm comfortable with it. If, if they only slide back five or six spots, especially if Geno's still in the fold, I think I think that's the right move. Those top five picks are so... Flipping valuable, and especially if you get a quarterback needy team, you know, at eight or nine, ten that wants to move up, you could see them really leverage the future in like a Trey Lance type of situation if they're really obsessed with the player. So I think the potential value is there. Um, it comes down to what the offer is, but will I be upset about it? Probably not.
3: Dana. I'd be pissed as hell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tired. of I agree with everyone in chat. No, I just here's the deal. If you want to play with one of your picks, play with the one that's ours. keep this one from Denver. And honest to God, you know that it would just be poetic justice if they got the third pick and could actually land one of those two quarterbacks. So your pick from Denver is to get one of the best quarterbacks in the draft. That'd be hilarious. I mean, there would be some, very nice little karma, you know, moment there, but no, I don't want him to trade. I want them to use it. I want that top level. Tra- I mean, when was the last time Seattle's had that high of a pick? They have to use it. They have to, have to, have to use it. If you want to mess around with the lower level picks, so you can get more in your fourth, fifth round, whatever, go ahead and do it. But this one, you need that moment. You need two first round picks and the higher, the better.
1: Nathan, I think I, I, I assume with you, you're always down for trading to get more picks. That's, that's been your MO. How would you feel in this case?
2: <laughs> yeah, this is, I mean, if you have the number three pick, it's a little different, right? Cause you really uh-huh. do have, you know, your pick of Will Anderson or Jalen Carter probably at that point. And that's that to me, like those two guys are worth staying. Right. Um, the other thing is, I love that. I Those two are like, I mean, I, I would, again, there are so many different things that they could do that I'm not going to be mad about. And if they trade down with Anderson and, and Carter on the board, I'm not going to freak out. I mean, I'm probably not going to love it. But, um, you know, th- they will they will almost certainly get a massive haul for that. So, um, I would definitely understand it. Here's, you know, you're talking about trading down to, like, 10, though. Um, so, I'm looking at the CBS Sports draft rankings. And this is going to change so much by the time um, the draft actually happens. But... You know, Will Anderson is one. Young Stroud, Jalen Carter is four. If you're trading down to ten, some of the other players in this area, you have Peter Skaronski is an offensive tackle from Northwestern, another offensive tackle from Penn State, a tight end from Notre Dame, um, two cornerbacks, another offensive lineman, a running back. um, Now, I don't know anything about Jared Verse. They have him the ninth ranked prospect. He's an edge. He's a sophomore too, so he might even come out. But I, my point here is, if you trade down into a sea of offensive tackles and cornerbacks, it feels a little awkward for what they probably want. Yeah. Um, so you know, if you want to trade from three to five, that to me makes would be really, really interesting. Even though you're risking potentially losing out on both Anderson and Carter, um, but trading down into ten or a little lower, I I don't know if that makes a ton of sense. And I say that without knowing much about any of the prospects beyond Anderson, Young, and Carter.
1: Yeah, it's all. This is all just fun speculation at this point. It, it, who knows where this pick will be? Who knows what players will be there? Who knows how they'll all per, perform in combines and and future you know speculation or, or or evaluations? What I will say is, if there's evidence that Jalen Carter and Will Anderson are generational talents, they're blue chip, like elite Khalil Mack, you know um you know game records. I'm not going to say Aaron Donald because Aaron Donald's so like if not the best defensive player that ever play the game he's one of the top I'm not saying that but if you're an all pro level defensive tackle or defensive end and you trade back and you get some red chip guys that are potentially like pro bowlers but not all pros that will be a catastrophic mistake catastrophic mistake and so I'm not at the point where I can say for sure what the drop-off is between those two guys and the others. But everything I've read and heard is that there's a pretty significant drop-off. So let's hope we have this debate that we get to have. Like, if the Seahawks are the, have the third overall pick and they're in the playoffs, holy shit, because it won't just be the third overall pick in the first round. It'll be the third overall pick in the second round. Thank you. It People will be keep
4: forgetting that that that's like a if if the Broncos suck that hard the rest of the year that might as well be a late another late first round exactly
1: pick. we basically got our third first round pick that we said we wanted what is
4: that three picks in the top uh, 30.
1: 35? 35, 35. No? yeah yeah so Whew. it will it, be hot and heavy
4: in here
3: right now when I hear
4: that oh <laughs> it's my
1: so Lord. true it'll it's be a
3: true. draft to be Kansas City I'm gonna sit right there I can't wait <laughs> be right there.
1: <laughs> All right. Do you guys have enough time for us to take some Patreon questions and then talk Raiders? Um, we'll probably go a little bit late. Nathan, would you mind uh, starting to find the patron questions? And while you're doing that, I will remind folks, if you haven't already, give the show a like. We would appreciate it. Quick thumbs up uh, and click subscribe to get access to the YouTube channel um, right away. And any other, uh, click the bell to get notified when we go live. Also go over to patreon.com slash hawkblogger. That is how you get instant access to the Slack channel. And folks, nobody knows what the heck is going on with Twitter. So if you want a reliable place to have solid Seahawks conversation with sane people doing sane things, the Real Hawk Talk Slack channel is the place to be. So patreon.com slash This is a great time to sign up. Plenty to discuss. Really good people, hundreds of other Seahawks fans in there. And no matter what happens with Twitter. That'll be a place, uh, a safe home to talk Seahawks. All right,
2: Nathan, what do we got? All right, Dana, I got one from you from Jonathan Lulay. Why is there no talk about Quandre Diggs' poor season? He's had five picks each the past two seasons and has zero so far this year with low PFF grades.
3: Mm -hmm. Um,
2: Just can't get that video of Jordan Brooks and him getting into it on the sidelines uh, earlier this season. Do you think he's having a poor season?
3: I do. I think he's having I don't know if it's a poor season, it's a down season. And oh God, more than anything, I wanted him to get a pick six in, in Germany so bad. But um I do think that there's um I don't I don't know if he is frustrated with the way he's being used. I don't know if they just have so much other talent around where just he's not getting the opportunity. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a contract thing. I mean, that's what everyone keeps talking about. It's like, Oh, well, he got paid. So now he's just sitting on his tush. I don't buy that, but that's what people say. But here's the thing. I think that we have mentioned it. We've talked about quandary not playing super well on this show, but I do think I'm going to state it again. This defense was originally slated to be around Jamal Adams. And so the two of them together working tandemly. So I think that, hopefully we'll see an uptick i haven't quite i think he's played better i think the whole along with the whole defense he's played better the last few games but i yeah there there just seems to be a spark missing from that i don't know i don't know if it's mental i don't know if it's injury i don't know what it is but there just seems to be something missing from his game this year for sure
2: um brian jen Mazzarolo wants to know is trey Bar- brown better than mike jackson
1: that's an awesome question. And for folks that don't know, uh, Trey Brown had a news conference, a press conference today. He is officially back on the, you know, on the active roster. And word is that he is going to be in competition with Michael Jackson for that starting cornerback spot, which is awesome. So I do believe Trey Brown is a better cornerback than Michael Jackson. I think Jackson has certainly been an, uh, I think a more than competent starting corner and has been fine to play. I think he's shown some physical nature that not all cornerbacks do. And it's been great to see him show up and like lay some hits, but I think Trey Brown might be really good. Like he might be really good. And the challenge this year is he's coming off a pretty big injury. So I don't know Similar to Quandre and some of the other guys, if if like uh, often it's the year after they've done rehab that they come back and are kind of their normal selves. So I don't know if we're going to see that version of Trey Brown this year, but it would be awesome uh, uh, to get him in there. I would I'm just I hope really hope they do rotate him and we get to see some snaps from
2: him. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, Dana Jen also wants to know: Should we grab a running back off waivers? Uh, Daryl Henderson and Melvin Gordon are two notable running back cuts this week uh are you interested in either of them
3: i I did put on twitter i thought it would be hilarious if they picked up melvin gordon i thought that would be very funny i just i don't know but um no i don't think so i i mean i know that they have were interested in picking up another running back i know that they were looking into that um and i guess for injury insurance that that might be a good idea but i i don't really have any interest in either one of those two players am i crazy for that i just i don't see any upside to them
2: no i I mean i think homer and dallas are fine as backups so um evan rob kinnear wants to know who are some players you'd like to see get more or fewer snaps the rest of the season do you have a a marquise blair that you're jonesing to see on the field that you uh think um the coaches are are making a mistake by not playing more
4: more or less snaps from anybody.
1: <sighs> Jason Myers. More or less though. Which one? Less.
4: Me? I want more kicks from Jason Myers. We got to pump up that contract value. Um I don't know. Can I flip this one back to you guys? Is there a player that jumps out for either for any of you? on either side of the ball.
2: Brian is dying to get Cody Barton fewer snaps, obviously. I mean... I don't have someone to put in his place, though, because the way the, the roster thing. is constructed. Like... Are you watching to to Josh
1: see... Jones on the field more often and, like, more nickel? Like, that's what it would mean right now. Yeah, There's nobody that I look at. Ah, that's actually a good one. Derrick Young. I, I, I would what? actually... I would like to see more Derrick Young and less D. Eskridge. Not because I think Dariq Young is the next great thing, but I don't know. And I think we've got a lot of evidence that DS Gridge is not. (laughs) So I'm ready to see somebody else. Ah, good one in chat here. I'll throw up there.
4: It's an interesting one. Yeah, Rob Rob laid that one up for you too.
1: He has completely outplayed Gabe Jackson. It's not close.
4: Right. Gabe Jackson's got that big contract too. And he's entering the final year of his deal next year. So
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll throw another one on there from chat. Good old Camden with
2: <laughs> fewer <laughs> LJ Sno- uh, LJ your snaps, please.
1: I think knowing Camden, Camden wants more LJ. He just wants mm. LJ starting, maybe. Um, uh, I'm sure Camden's going to appreciate that that comment. Uh, yeah. No, those are some good ones. Those are some good ones.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we needed we needed help from the 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 chat there because it it's been pretty easy to have that conversation in past years because there's been such obvious why isn't this person playing conversations not as much this year. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I thought it was interesting because nothing really jumped out to me either. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
4: do we need yeah. to see a little bit less of Daryl Taylor
2: for who?
3: Right,
1: well, and I think that's, that's are, the problem, though.
3: right? Yeah,
1: I mean, we already are like Bruce Irvin has taken over that spot and it's Bruce Irvin and and Echenu Nwosu. And then even after that, I think we've seen Boye Mafé take snaps. So Taylor is really just a rotational pass rusher right now, which I'm okay with.
2: Um okay that's it. Um okay. there were questions about whether the CS can beat the 49ers to win the West and whether the we would be okay with trading down, but I think we've hit all those already. So
1: cool. Well, again, patreon.com/slash blogger. That is how you get instant access to that Slack channel, and you can ask us questions every week. So appreciate that. All right, let's talk about this Raiders game. This is a like I usually write my tail of the tape Wednesday morning. So I, I, I did a little bit of pre-research, but, but have not finished all of it. When I was looking at this Raiders team, um, in some ways, like they should be better than their record. And in other ways, they should be what their record is. Like there's been some weird games for them. They don't have a particular like big injury issue where there's been something that's really changed there. They've been pretty stable in general. But I mean, this is 32nd in the league defense against quarterbacks. Their passer rating against is dead last in the NFL Uh, yards per attempt, 27th Uh, completion percentage, 32nd in the NFL against what is the number one completion percentage quarterback in the NFL this week? Uh, They are dead last in the NFL and taking the ball away from opponents. 32nd. That's been a big part of what they've been. Um, And then offensively, they're kind of okay. They're not great. They're like a middling offense that's like 16th in points per game, 16th in yards per game, 12th in yards per play, which I think is generally a a decent evaluation. They're first in the league in terms of giveaways. They do not give the ball away. So they're this weird team that is first in the NFL in terms of protecting the ball. They are dead last in the NFL and taking it away. So Raiders games don't generally have a lot of turnovers one way or the other. But essentially, they have advantages over the Seahawks in pretty much every category on offense. And the Seahawks have advantages over them, more advantages over them in every category when they're on offense. So I'm curious, like Dana, you you cover a bunch of different teams. Yep. What do you make of this Raiders team? From a DVOA perspective, they just had their best game of the season in terms of beating the Broncos, plus 44% DVOA, their best game. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think about this Raiders team?
3: Well, I, I pay a lot of attention to this division, obviously, since I cover it. But here's here is the interesting thing. At the beginning of the season, I really expected the AFC West to be the new NFC West. They were going to be hyper competitive. Everyone is going to be really good. Um, It was going to come down to the wire to see who won this division. Obviously, the complete opposite has happened. The Chiefs already have it completely locked up um, and no one else is even close, right? Um, The interesting thing about this is the Raiders are the one I thought might give them the most trouble. Although I do, I love Herbert and I love the way the Chargers put together. Their, Their injuries have just destroyed that team and we know that. But the Raiders are interesting because they brought in Josh McDaniels, which is a completely different style of coaching than what this team was built for. And I think that that's where we're starting to see some real issues with this team. I think that he came in and while he's not Bill Belichick, he has some Bill Belichick tendencies. Um, This team was, was built by very different coaches over the last few years. I was kind of surprised he kept Derek Carr, to be honest with you, when they were kind of doing everything. So I think that you have a little bit of, of coaching philosophies, not really fitting their talent level, talent level, not really being used properly or injured. I think they really thought that they would have like this great, you know, punch between Renfro and, and Devontae Adams. And, and it just hasn't showed up, but it's their defense. Their defense is a disaster. They have, I think was one game they were up by 17 points and they still managed the, to lose this The game.
1: Jaguars game. Yeah. Were, it was a disaster. Yeah. Yeah, they were, and up so it's
3: twenty to ahead. seven
1: and lost twenty seven to twenty, like gave up twenty yeah. straight points.
3: The second half of games are disastrous for the Raiders. And so, what I think is that I I, I know I've read and and I've talked to a couple of reporters, Josh McDaniel, or he's not going anywhere. He, they're going to keep him for another year. It's not like they're going to fire him, even though the fans really want them to. He really seems to have Mark Davis's ear that he's going to be around for a while. Um. I think they're just going to, have to do some massive shifting for this this team to come together, and it will not be this year. This year, is it's kind of a lost season for them, in my opinion. So um, if, if Seattle's offense can – I think DK is going to end up having a day. Like, I just think – I have a feeling that they're just going to run all over the, this um, defense. So I think the Seahawks' defense just has to figure out a way just to slow down the few weapons that they have.
1: Yeah, Nathan, one of the things I looked up on this Raiders defense. So according to PFF, um, 10 of the Raiders. So this is this is the worst tackling team defense in the NFL. Um, 10 of the top 11 players on the defense in terms of snaps. So the players that play the most often, 10 of the top 11 have missed at least 10% of their tackles. Double digit percentages. In fact, the only person that hasn't has missed 9% of their tackles. And the one who's worst is their slot corner, Amik Robertson, who has a Justin Coleman esque 30%. He misses three out of every 10 attempts to tackle somebody. So, you know, and just as by comparison, because the Seahawks have not been a great tackling team either, you know, they're like, Seven out of 10 are double digits, and if you go over 15%, it's like six out of 10 for the Raiders, and only like uh two out of 10 for the the Seahawks. So, like, they're really really bad at tackling. Who, who do you think gets helped by
2: the most by that on the Seahawks team? Um, I mean, DK could have himself a day if you can't, he's already a problem enough. If you can't get him down, it's gonna be a nightmare. Um I mean that I don't know. Not being able to tackle benefits everyone. I mean, it's going to benefit Kenneth Walker. It's going to, it won't benefit Tyler Lockett because he'll just fall down anyway. But <laughs> uh, literally every single if other. If Tyler player, gets he, hurt because he feels like he's now got to like get yak, I'm
1: going to be so pissed.
2: He doesn't. Yeah, it's fine. He can fall down. He's good enough that he can just fall down all the time. Yes, yes. Probably should have a little bit better idea where the first down marker is. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, it's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, if you can't tackle, I mean, we saw that at the start of the year. If you can't tackle on defense, it's just a nightmare. Evan. Do you have you
1: watched any Raiders games this year? Do you have a feel at all for this team?
4: I actually have watched a couple of their games. Um, do you know, do you know where two out of their three wins come from?
1: (laughs) I do. But tell us.
4: (laughs) The Broncos. They've won one game. This season against a team not named the Broncos they have won one game with a win against a team against an opponent with a winning record that was week five of the 2022 NFL season so the Raiders I think from their um I think how do I phrase this as like an outside as an outside viewer their biggest flaw is coaching. Josh McDaniels is totally suspect they're, That entire fan base doesn't trust him. He's proven he's not capable. Um, I, I I don't think uh, I, I think there's a real coaching mismatch here, frankly, in this game. Um, I think they're underperforming their talent level. Um, I think they ha- I, I think they actually match up re- from a Seattle Seahawks perspective. I think we actually match up really well with them. Our offense is obviously one of the top offenses in the NFL. Their defense is bottom five in the NFL. Um if if we can if we can lock down Devonte Adams, which I think we can do with our corners and our secondary, I see very little hope for their offense moving the ball in any sort of sustained fashion. So I, I think from a matchup perspective, I'm pretty optimistic about this. Um and this maybe goes without saying, but if Seattle was to lose this game, then i start getting really concerned. like like you can excuse off the bucks game, uh flying across the pond, whatever, jet lagged whatever. i don't think you could excuse away a home loss to the raiders. that would be really bad. even without even even with a team with zero expectations like most fans have.
1: here's here's the thing. i i want to check this with all of you. Worst case scenario, the Seahawks fall apart the rest of the year and like end up not making the playoffs. I don't think that that will mean that the offensive tackles aren't good. I don't think that will mean that Kenneth Walker isn't good. I don't think that will mean that Tariq Woolen or Kobe Bryant aren't good. I think it will mean some of the players we actually already know aren't good or are maybe not good. And it most telling will be Gino. Like I think the rest of the season has most implications about how much you invest in Geno Smith as your future quarterback. So, in that regard, like not the worst case scenario. I, I I certainly am pretty invested in them making the playoffs, but you're right. like if if they lose to to this team, it would be really it would be pretty catastrophic for the chances to make the playoffs. I don't know if it would be catastrophic in terms of where they're going um, overall as a franchise. I think I would, everyone says the house money thing. I don't feel that way, but I do feel like some of the most important things about this season have already been proven regardless of what happens the rest of the year. You guys agree with that?
2: Yeah. I mean, it could change, but assuming that, you know, yeah, if they miss the playoffs because Gino turns back into a pumpkin, then you draft a quarterback high and you, you move on with the plan that everyone thought they were going to have in the, in the first place. So,
1: right. Right. Uh, what do you guys think of Derek Carr? Like,
4: I'm kind of surprised they extended him.
1: Yeah, yeah, me too. I didn't think he'd be there. Say more. Like, what, what?
4: he's just like the pinnacle of mediocrity. <laughs> like, like he's not bad, but he's not good. And he's just enough to, keep you competitive but they're not even really competitive this year i don't know i to me they should we talked about this i think offline in our in our group chat this is a team that you know if they wind up with a high pick then they need to be looking at quarterback <laughs> i don't care about that Derek Carr extension he's not good enough he does he doesn't uplift the team like you, you know like uh patrick mahomes does or something like
1: that, that would be yeah. odd i mean I hope you're right. It would be if if the if the Raiders Raiders right now, for what it's worth, have a higher pick than the Broncos, even though the Raiders have beaten the Broncos twice. Uh, just based on how they do tiebreakers for draft picks, is is wonky. But if the, if the Raiders pick a quarterback, that would be great for the Seahawks. Um, I I don't unless know. Unless you I want believe the Seahawks it,
4: to draft a quarterback,
1: unless you want the Seahawks to draft a quarterback, but like. I don't know. I mean, with you, Dana and Evan, I I just see him as like mediocre, but they've committed to him. And I don't know that I see them signing him to that deal and then also drafting a, a rookie in the top five.
3: I think they would have to have a trade partner in mind for him. They would have to be willing to eat part of that contract, have a decent trade partner in order for them to take that risk. Otherwise it's pretty illogical from a business standpoint, but you have to, we have to figure out if, if McDaniels, if he wants him, if that's going to be his coach, because honest to God, it really seems like from everything I've read and everything I've heard, the Raiders organization is behind this coach. And so it's it's just going to be – I don't think it would be logical for them to take one so high unless they had that other situation set up. Otherwise, you have to keep him at least one more year, I think. But yeah. he is so inconsistent, and he's it's so hard to know what you're going to get out of him. He has brilliant moments. There are times Derek Carr looks like an elite quarterback, but they're so few and far between at this point. And they have to – they've gotten the weapons around him and it hasn't changed much. So I, I, I think that it, it would be, he's just not going to be good enough long-term for them, but I think they'll have to keep him. Yeah. At least One more year.
1: This, I mean, the Raiders are going to be pivotal to the future of the Seahawks mm-hmm. more than they ever have been. They've already helped by beating the Broncos twice. Whatever happens in this game is going to influence where the Seahawks pick is whatever they do with their pick is going to influence the Seahawks most likely. And yeah, Derek Carr is elite at getting rid of the ball quickly, not getting sacked and not throwing turnovers. He doesn't throw a ton of picks, but like there's gonna be a lot of quick passes and it'll be interesting. Like the Seahawks are going to have to tackle. Well, Devonte Adams has been a handful for Seattle. You know, when he's been in green Bay, he'll, he's a handful this week. We'll see how that goes. Uh, this game isn't as this this game is not a, uh, David versus Goliath. From my perspective, I don't think this is as clearly like Seattle should dominate as maybe we would all hope they would, but I am curious. Let's get to, let's get to predictions. Uh, I am going to start with you, Nathan. What is going to be, who's going to win this game and what is going to be the
2: score? I'll go, uh, 27, 19 Seattle. Okay. Dana.
3: Um, I think it's going to be more than that. I think it's going to be Seattle's going to win it. It's going to be 30,
1: 17, 30, 17. Mm-hmm.
4: Evan. It is not uncommon for Pete Carroll football teams to struggle after the buy coming out of a buy. Uh, I think they've lost eight out of 12, um, coming out of a bye. So, I think I think this game is going to be ugly <laughs> and I think the Seahawks does, are going to scrape great bye. What was that Dana?
3: Like is, is it Pete the struggles or Russ? Just kidding. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. Oh. <laughs> oh, sorry. Had to throw it out there.
4: <laughs> we'll find out with an additional we data will. point this year. Um <laughs> but uh I think Seattle wins in in a very gross game 17 to <laughs> 14
1: okay I actually like that I I think that's not stupid that's not a bad pick I'm looking at the the Raiders scores right in every game for the Raiders uh only one time this season have they allowed less than 20 points and it was last week against the Broncos uh which I think you just throw out any game against that Broncos offense right now uh they've allowed 24 points or more in three four, five, six, seven, seven out of their 10 games. So that plus the tackling issue, I, I feel like this game, I think everyone's right. This could be a tough game, trap game, frustrating game. I think that's all totally possible. I think the Seahawks end up winning this game, uh, 30 to 30 to 14. Um, I think they're going to put up some points against this team. I think they're going to be able to hopefully run the ball. And I think there'll be a couple big plays um, against them. And, and uh, hopefully the Seahawks get back on track and uh, move to seven and four. So that is the call. I think each of us have the Seahawks winning. We will see on Sunday how it actually turns out. Thank you to Dana O'Gorman at Dana OG on Twitter, Evan Hill at Evan Hill HB and Nathan Ernst at Nathan E11. And thanks to all you for tuning in. If you haven't already, please give the show a like. It takes two seconds. Uh, click subscribe for the channel on YouTube. Click the bell to get notified when we go live. And then head over to patreon.com slash hawkblogger and join the crew. Uh, sign up, get immediate access to the Slack channel and... Be part of the conversation that's going on there all the time. Thanks to everybody. Have a wonderful rest of your night. And as always, go Hawks.